welcome to the Door of Life Church podcast. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus with the world and believers, to teach them how to walk in victory, and to help them find and fulfill God's plan for their life. If you have any comments about today's podcast, please contact us through our website at dooroflife.org. Door of Life Church, where faith meets real life. I'm going to start out in prayer this morning as well. (sighs) Father God, man, I'm excited for what I get to share this morning. We've been down some trails. We've been down some roads together. And in the midst of it, you freed me up from some things. And I know that's what you want to do here this morning. Lord, I thank you for the precious word that you gave us this morning. There is an anointed path, and you want us to be freed up to be on that path with you, with you, your way, your will, your plans. And Lord, I know that the message that you have for us this morning um, is preparing us to be fully and completely and freely on that path with you. And I thank you, and I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, I um, am going to start out reading um, out of chapter 3 of Ephesians, and I'm reading it specifically. I haven't even put it up on the PowerPoint. It kind of reads like a story, and I'm reading it out of the message. And if you're familiar with the message at all, you know it can be blunt, it can be straightforward, very down-to-earth, and for where he's taking us this morning, this translation is appropriate. We're going to kind of pull it apart, and then when we get to the PowerPoint, I will be doing other versions um, or other translations. But all I'm going to say is enjoy Paul as being spoken through the message. The subtitle is The Secret Plan of God. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody? I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote you in brief. As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. So this is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. Came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. But God saw to it that I was equipped but you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, 
preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. Paul goes on to say, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath, test its length, plumb the depths, rise to the heights, live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us, Glory to God in the church, glory to God in the Messiah and Jesus, glory down all the generations, glory through all the millennia. Oh, yes. Amen. So I want to just start this message out by zeroing in on just a few words he said. I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. The least Here it is in the New King James Version. To me, Paul, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Less than. And that's part of the title this morning. When less than is more than enough. And I loved what we sang this morning. He's not only more than able, He's more than enough. Now, I'm going to just put you out front here, put it out front here that this is a broad title. And again, as I prayed this morning, he took me down some trails, and we're going down different trails, but it converges back together. So I'm going to be referring to my notes quite a bit because I want to share some things with you exactly as he shared them with me or as I processed them with me. Okay, with him, I'm sorry. So, first of all, we're going to talk about less than. Paul felt less than, less than the least of all the saints of God. And yet God chose him to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to the known world at the time. God chose him to write half of the New Testament. And yet it was this same Paul who persecuted Christians, who had them killed. He gave full approval and stood by and watched while they stoned Stephen. Later, after his conversion, he tried to get in with the disciples, and they said, oh, no, no way. Uh, no, they were terrified. Uh-uh, we know him. 
We know his bad reputation. It was Barnabas that had to take him back to the apostles and say, all right, hey, guys, it's okay. It's okay. He's safe now. Let me tell you about his run-in with Jesus on the road to Damascus. That run-in that changed his life forever. But here's a question for us. What if Paul had bought into his own self-prescribed label of being less than the least of all the saints? He could have been paralyzed by his past. Oh, Father, I'm not worthy. Don't ask me. Jesus, I tried to have killed the very people you came to save. The shame, the guilt. Lord, your disciples had to be persuaded by Barnabas that I was no longer dangerous. How am I even going to gain the trust of anyone else? <laughs> I'm pretty sure my bad reputation, okay, my horrible reputation, is going to precede me wherever I go. The Bible is filled with stories of people who felt less than, and yet, oh, what God did through them. What about Gideon? He said, oh, my Lord. Oops, I guess I think I did put that up here. Yes. Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. Yet we know the story of Gideon. He went on to fight the Midianites. Um, we've just been in a little bit of a study on Gideon. I was reminded of this. His little army of 300, when they went into battle, they were outnumbered 450 to 1. Now, I'm working on ratios with Seth and Math right now. That has a whole new meaning to me. I can actually explain it to you. So for every one person in Gideon's army, there were 450 to match it in the Midianite army. Not only that, what did they go into battle with? Oh, no, not swords. A water pitcher, a torch, and a trumpet. Oh, that's comforting. So he's not only identifying himself as the least of the weakest tribe, but now you're going up against a vast army, fully suited up, fully armored, and you have what are almost laughable items, what if Gideon had gone into that, given into his own self-prescribed label of being the least of in the weakest of? What if he had given into his fear? We know how at least that battle went. Gideon didn't have to have a sword. He just had to be obedient with that trumpet, that torch, and that water pitcher. Because what God did was cause the Midianites to turn on themselves. No sword needed. The Midianites took care of it for them for God. Moses was a murderer, yet God called him to lead his people out of Egypt. Please, Lord, don't ask me to go back to the very place I ran away from. Don't ask me to do this. I am so less than. How about David? How about Mary, Jesus's mom? Let's bring it closer to home. How about Nikki Cruz? Pastor Ed tells us about Nikki Cruz, that he was the head of the most fiercest gang in New York City. What if he had looked at what he had done and said, Lord, don't ask me. I am so less than. What if he had not become the evangelist that touched countless lives, including our own pastor? Quite some time ago, a friend had shared with me um, 
a Bible study that she thought would be good for either beginners or, or new believers. And I watched, and I can't remember her name, and I should have looked it up. But anyway, this was a long time ago. But anyway, this, the author of this particular Bible study, she shared a brief testimony of her own. And as she tells it, um, she was a very intelligent woman, and she prided herself on her intellect. So when she got invited to a Bible study, and this is pre-Jesus now in her life, um, she almost didn't go back because she, for the most part, felt clueless. She had no idea what they were talking about. She felt less than. But it challenged her. So what did she do? Well, she had no clue on where to start in the Bible. So she laid her adult Bible off to the side, swallowed her pride, and bought a children's Bible. The picture Bible. That's where she found Jesus. That's where she started her journey of getting to know Jesus. And where I left off, I know that she had written several Bible studies. And you see, <laughs> this is where it gets a little personal. Okay, Lord, I'll tell it. Um, feeling less than is part of my story, too. Scott, you'll appreciate this. Um, when Scott and I were growing up, we grew up actually in the same church. But the church we grew up in, they did not encourage people to open the Bible for themselves. So I never did. I don't think you did. Um, but when the Lord got a hold of our hearts and we started our journey with Jesus, we started with a new church. And man, we were all in. So one of those first Sundays after starting to attend, well, they had adult Sunday school classes. Great. Well, of course, we didn't take a Bible with us because we didn't know any better. So, But they borrowed one to us. So I can still remember the man standing up in front of us and saying, okay, let's open our Bibles now to 1 John. And in my mind, I'm going, why did he say 1 John? It's just John. I don't get it. So I looked at Scott, and I'm thinking, okay, I knew. I mean, we heard the word of God every Sunday morning. Um, so, I mean, we knew some of the word, but I didn't really necessarily know where to find it in the Bible. So, um, you know. We, we did our best. We, we opened it up to the book of John and to the chapter and verse. And, of course, as the guy starts reading, we're looking and going, that's not what we're reading. And, obviously, we had a clueless look on our face because the man very gently and very graciously walked over by us and he said, you're in the book of John and we are in the we are reading out of the first john so and obviously we still were clueless and all of a sudden it was you know what let me help you find that so he flipped the bible over to first john that was the beginning of our journey of getting into the word of god oh it didn't stop there so a few weeks later they have a missionary come and she's you know giving a wonderful report and, um, you know, the mission field updates. But after church, she beelined it for Scott and I. And she looked at both of us and said, I'm really feeling led by the Lord to ask you both to pray over me. Oh, dear in the headlights. Because up until that point, we had never prayed out loud. Other than, you know, our rote prayers on a Sunday morning, you know, that we pray in church, you know. So, like any good wife... I looked at Scott and I said, I think you're the one that's supposed to pray over her this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, the look I got. You remember well, don't you? Mm -hmm. We had quite a discussion about that afterwards. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That was the beginning of our journey.
in prayer. One more little tidbit about me. Thank you, Lord. Just feeling completely exposed this morning. Um, in light of me standing up here this morning, if you had known me as a little girl, oh, shy doesn't even begin to describe who I was. I loved my dad, and I loved being with my dad. And when he would run errands, I loved going with him. But part of it was just to hear him talk. He was so outgoing. He could start up a conversation with anybody. But as a little girl, I would stand behind him as he was talking to someone. And every once in a while, I would peek around. And if that person even looked at me, made high contact with me, or smiled, I would quick go back. <gasps> I mean, I just was froze in fear. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. And please don't ask me to talk. OK? Fast forward to being a freshman in high school. I was going to get myself past this shy mode, right? So I signed up for a speech class as a freshman in high school. I was going to force myself. You know that speech class where you've got to write speeches and then you've got to get up and you've got to speak? Well, one little detail I wasn't aware of and that's, is that that class is for mostly upperclassmen. So this little freshman girl, along with one friend that I coerced into joining with me, um, every time I got up and had a speech to deliver, oh, I was looking out over a sea of upperclassmen who were very intimidating and not impressed that a freshman had joined their speech class. <clears throat> so. How is it then that I can even stand in front of you this morning sharing the word of God, talking about my favorite person in the whole world, Jesus? Well, first off, now I know where 1 John is in the Bible. In fact, did you know there's a second John and a third John? <laughs> I'm here to tell you there is. Um, <clears throat> but just don't ask me to name the books of the minor prophets in order because I still can't, okay? There's my other confession. Um, now, in all seriousness, every time I'm up here, there's a verse that is a comfort to me and a guiding light to me, and it is this. 1 Corinthians 2.4, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that reassurance. It's not about me. It's all about him. Jacob once said to the Lord, I am less than nothing in comparison with all your mercies and your faith to me, your servant. Another amen. Why can I stand up here this morning? Well, he gave me some equations to share with you today, and they all pretty much sum up to say the same thing. Our less than plus God equals more than enough. Our less than plus Jesus' more than equals being complete, being whole in him. Our less than plus his more than equals our identity in Christ. So let's explore this more than enough. I've got scripture that I want to share with you. It's the same passage out of the message. So this is more blunt, straightforward. We've got the Passion Translation now that is passionate. And it says, <clears throat> So I kneel humbly in awe 
before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. I want to go back over those underlined um, parts. Supernatural strength floods. Okay, think of a flood. Floods. Floods your innermost being with his divine might and his explosive power. Whose might? Whose power? His. Not mine. I don't have to conjure it up. It's his. Then, by constantly using your faith, okay, that's where we come in, the life of Christ will be released deep, deep, deep inside you, and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Again, you don't have to do it. He does it goes on, again, out of the passion, then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Endless love, we can't measure it, it goes above and beyond our understanding, and it's extravagant, and it pours into us until we are filled to overflowing. Just not filled, but filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. There's more. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Never doubt God's mighty power. Whose power? His power. To work in you and accomplish all this. Who's going to accomplish this? God. And he will achieve infinitely more than. There's our more than. More than we could ever, ever dream. The message, going back to that, I loved how it was put in there as well. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. He does it not by pushing us around. We're not robots. He doesn't program us. No, we're human beings that he has created to be in fellowship with him. He loves us, and his spirit is working deeply and, and yet gently in us. Praise God. Overflowing. We're not just complete. We have his abundance. We have more than enough in Jesus. However, our less than is more than enough in him only when we take our focus off of ourselves 
and firmly plant our focus on him, every part of our being focused on him and surrendered to him. Here's another little equation. Being self-focused, self-absorbed, can I add self-centered, equals less than. Being God-focused, being God-absorbed, equals more than. And oh, believe me, I've been down some trails with this, within my own being, with him. If you focus on yourself, you're going to always come up short, and you will always find that you are less than. Have you ever heard someone say, or have you said it yourself, oh, I feel so self-conscious doing that? Um, Okay, here's that little reminder. It's nothing more than being self-absorbed, self-centered, and it will always make you feel less than. Yep, Lord, I'm here. Yeah, on that. Being God-focused, being God-absorbed equals more than enough, more than we'll ever need. And it is out of this overflow that we can share the extravagant love of Jesus with others. Okay? Now, here's another trail to this message. This message, the Lord kind of stirred it up in my heart because of an email exchange I had with a dear friend of our family. Now, this person shared with me an excerpt of a journal entry, and I have permission to read it. Now, I want to say this. God is doing a mighty work in this person's life, so they're not where they were when they wrote this entry a few years back. Just a tidbit. And it's because it spoke to my heart of of where I've been, okay? It says this. Last Wednesday's Bible study meeting was a prayer meeting. Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have gone. I don't feel very comfortable at those. I don't know exactly why, but I feel way behind in my walk compared to the others who attend. I don't have the gift of tongues. I can't quote much scripture or sing songs without the words. I know I believe and I know I'm saved, but compared to others, I feel like I'm not Christian enough. And I don't want to slow others down and wait for me. So I'll just keep trudging along. Um, I could so relate to that because this was me in an earlier season of life. When I heard others praying, I didn't want to pray out loud because I couldn't quote much scripture and I just wasn't eloquent in my prayers. In comparing myself and my walk with Jesus with others and their walk with Jesus, I always came up short. Comparison is ugly. It can paralyze you. It's the devil's playground. And more often than not, you will come out of that comparison feeling less than. Okay? Yet, in this same journal entry, this person shares how that prayer meeting that they went to by mistake, supposedly, was the beginning of a turnaround in their life. Because that night, this person heard someone praying from the pulpit, and it was as if God was speaking directly to them. Again, because they went to a prayer meeting by mistake. There's another little small section that I want to read that so resonated with my heart. And this is about calling. It says, not knowing my calling, I feel not Christian enough to know. I have a great internal battle trying to be joyous and live and do for the glory of God. 
I get great help from our pastor and the others in our church. I listen to and I watch many other pastors, great Christians, listen to Christian-based music, read Christian devotionals and Bible and scripture, but I still feel frustrated. First of all, can you just hear the devil whispering in this person's ear? It's not enough. You're not enough. You're not doing enough. You'll never measure up. You will always be less than. This is what the Lord had to say about this, and this was me processing what he was saying to me. Memorizing scripture, reading the Bible, reading devotionals, listening to podcasts, participating in worship. It's all good, but it is all immaterial, immaterial unless all of these are done out of the overflow of just hanging out with Jesus in our secret place. You see, what happens is we read about him, we listen to others talk about him, we sing about him, we memorize scripture about him. Do you hear the common thread here? About him, about him, about him, about him. But what he really wants is for us to do all these things with him. Amen. A couple weeks ago, we had Valentine's Day, right? And a friend of ours asked me what he should get his wife for a gift. My reply Give her the gift of your time. This person is a father of five. He has a very demanding job. He's very much involved with their kids. He coaches some of their sports. He's very involved in their community. <sighs> the greatest gift he could give his wife was the gift of time alone together. But there's more to it than that. What I went on to say to him is that during that alone time, it's also that she knows that she has your full attention that she knows that she is the only person, the only thing on his mind. That their relationship takes precedent above all others. Well, so it is with Jesus. That alone time with him, that is where you will always find you're more than enough. Him having your full attention, him knowing that in that secret place time of just you and him, that he, Jesus, is the only thing on your mind? Well, because in return, you have his full attention. And when you are with him in that secret place, you are the only thing on his mind. This is about seeking his heart and allowing him full access to yours, allowing him to speak, listening to him, talking with him, just being silent with him drinking in his presence, rejoicing in the fact that we never have to do anything on our own because of his beautiful promise that says without him we can do nothing anyway. Praise God, I don't want to. Because my more than enough will go right back to being less than if I try to do it on my own. From that place of being in his presence, the Bible will come alive. Devotionals will come alive. Podcasts will come alive because you're reading with him. You are listening with him and allowing him to speak through these things into your heart and mind. You will tuck away scripture in your heart because you read that scripture with him and he spoke to you through it. Doing all these things, <clears throat> excuse me, doing all these things with him will knock out the possibility of doing any of these things out of what can easily become a religious spirit. 
Amen. <clears throat> so getting back to the trail of where this person said not knowing their calling. Of course, it caused me to press into the Lord. So it's a little bit of my own testimony this morning. <sighs> but in the process of this, I got freed up. And this is what I'm trusting is going to happen for you this morning as well, too. I found my calling. I found my life. I found my completeness, my wholeness, not through people or books. And for me, not by my Bible college education or my works, but through just being in his presence. Just being. The rest was, again, immaterial until I got my eyes off my less than and instead placed my eyes on his more than. I'm still a work in progress, and oh boy, do I still miss it. But I stand before you this morning as part of my own personal testimony to all of you, and I have, I'm going to tell you this. I have never felt more complete in him than I do right now because <clears throat> I, on purpose, choose to stop living in my self-focused and in my less than, and instead I, on purpose, choose to live my life in our beautiful Savior's more than. I'm driving a stake in the ground right now as I say that, and I'm praying that God will help you do the same. I'm going to read it again. I, on purpose, choose to stop living in my self-focused and in my less than, and instead I, on purpose, choose to live my life in our beautiful Savior, Jesus's more than. So, what is my calling? What is your calling? One thing we all share, first and foremost, we're called to be children of God. For me personally, and again, this is to help you see the simplicity of what your calling is. For me personally, it's to be a wife, a mom, a nana, a sister, an aunt, a daughter, a friend, an encourager, an obedient servant of the Lord who speaks life into others as he prompts me to. I am called to be a minister of the Lord, but then again, so is every believer. We each have our own ministry. I am thankful for my Bible college days, but it does not define my relationship with Jesus nor my ministry. I do not hinge any spiritual maturity or depth on my education or my works. Any maturity in the Lord I have comes in hanging out with him. And I share this to encourage you to recognize your calling in him. It's not as complicated as you think. It's those day-to-day -day callings on your life that hit close to home that are the most important. And I'm talking about the opportunity to speak life into those closest to you and into those God appoints to you. And I can promise you this. He will equip you for every calling he places within you. And in him, your calling will always be out of the overflow, joining together your less than and his more than. So, out of his overflow, out of his more than, we are called to go beyond ourselves. We're going to revisit out of the message the part where it says, through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, 
this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about, even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches, that would be you and me, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known. Amen. Amen. Our completeness, our wholeness, our identity in him, it does not stop at ourselves. No. God uses our completeness, the, over, the overflow from us, to help others join their less than with his more than to also be complete in him and to know their identity in him. We are surrounded by people we are surrounded by people who are living in their less than. They don't know they're more than enough Jesus. So it is through us, Christians like yourselves, gathered in churches, that this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known. Known to those who are living in their less than instead of his more than enough. And this is going to start sounding redundant, but obviously the Lord wants us to tuck this away in our hearts this morning. Out of the overflow of the fullness of God in our lives, out of God's more than meeting our less than, we can share the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. Inexhaustible, without end, without measure, his generosity but we first have to know it for ourselves. We just need to get our focus off of ourselves and onto him, the author and finisher of our faith. We just need to hang out with him, King Jesus, who's more than enough makes us complete in him. There was a song we sang last week, and it is called Make Room, and it so speaks into what I'm sharing with you this morning. I just want to quote some of the scripture, or some of the lyrics, sorry. Here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown, this is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt, this is my surrender. And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Praise God. Your way is better. Your way is better. Here is where I lay it down. You are all I'm chasing now. This is my surrender. <sighs> Your way is better. It's more than enough. And our less than, plus you, Jesus, is more than enough. I end with just this simple prayer, Lord. Free us up. Free us up from the bondage and the chains of being less than. What a lie from the pit of hell. We are complete in you. What you have called us to do the circumstances we may even be living in right now. I don't care. You don't care what anybody's past looks like. You don't. You do care, though. You cared enough to wipe it out on the cross. 
Thank you for that, Lord. We don't, we don't have to live in our past. We're a new creation. You call us to live in the present in you, to get rid of our past because we don't live there anymore. We live fully and completely in you. Our less than is more than enough in you. Father God, what you want to free us up from this morning, any bondage, past, present, Lord, there may be circumstances that are hanging over our head today. I don't know what they are. We all have our own set of things. But Lord, may we set those set of things at your foot, at your feet, and let go of them. Because it was part of our less than, but now that we're more than enough in you, we can do it. Oh, maybe the natural circumstances, maybe they'll still be here tomorrow. But we're going to live out tomorrow with more than enough because we're no longer less than. We're not only complete, we're more than enough. So that we, the overflow, you, Holy Spirit, you, Holy Spirit, are filling us up to overflow so that we're flowing onto others. The good news of how to be complete, how to be more than enough, how to identify simply as a child of God, how our identity is solely in you. No matter what labels we try to put on ourselves, no matter what labels other people try to put on us, It's about you. Who do you say I am? You asked Peter that, but now I, I feel that you're saying that to us. Each one of us individually, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Am I more than enough for you? Lord, we know you are. Our identity is solely in you. You love us so much, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's to free us up. It's to free us up now. It's not just us waiting for us to go to heaven. No, we're going to get freed up now. And I trust you, Lord, for the mighty work, the extravagant power that you are working in and through each one of us individually right now so that we can walk on that anointed path that you gave us this morning to be excited about. We're there, Lord. We're there. We're here. We're with you. And I, for one, am extremely grateful to be doing this thing called life with you. Thank you, Father. We love you so much. I praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, there is such a, um, <clears throat> such a profound, amazing truth in that because, um, oh, go for it, yes. You know, there's such a, a beautiful place of surrender in that when you go from recognizing your less than to being able to point to his more than and find that completeness in him. 
our natural tendency is to try to fix our less than. And that can be a long time to try to fix our less thans. But if we'll stop trying to fix our less thans and try to do things so so and so, but just say, no, man, I'm just going to look to him. I'm, I really am complete in him. And I can just start enjoying my life now. I don't have to wait till I fixed my less than to feel good enough to feel good about myself. No, there is such a profound truth in that. And in Paul, you know, I love you just how you captured those scriptures, Carla, but just where he said, man, I, the th things that I thought were gain, I, did, I set thought all aside. He said, I just want to know him. Just want to know him. And that's just the essence where you are basically just saying, you know, comparing, not wise. You just, you, you can't win that game. But it just sounds too good to be true, and yet it's true, isn't it? We're complete in him. It's game over. We can just look unto him and say, man, yeah, you're always growing spiritually, but you're complete in him now because he loves you, and he is with you, and he is for you, and praise God. Lord, we just receive that word. We just take that upward look, that gaze into Christ. Our identity is there. We just thank you, Lord, that we are more than enough in you. We receive that word, Father. I just declare that word sealed in our hearts, Father, that the moment we feel that insecurity, inferiority, that self-centeredness, that less than, Lord, that we would look up, raised with Christ, to set our mind on those things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, to refresh, reset, to find our more than in you, Lord. We just thank you for this word, Father God. We just allow it to seal us, to steady us, to keep us in place as you grow us up, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom and the truth in your word, Father. Hallelujah. Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God, yeah. Receive that wonderful, wonderful word this morning.